Hosea chapter 7. Okay, well that, that is good news. Uh, Hosea chapter 7, um, back to more doom and gloom. You guys are, I mean, uh, I think I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, I hope I'm not just boring everybody to tears because it's like doom and gloom and doom and gloom and doom and gloom. But yet in the middle of the doom and gloom, God throws some things in there that we need to have. And have you ever thought about in Isaiah 7:14 when it talks about uh, you know Christ is going to be born and all the, those two passages in Isaiah Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9 both of those passages are about Christ being born that we use at Christmas time those passages are given to a unbelieving king and the conditions of of the kingdom of Israel of the southern tribe of Judah are not good at that time, a lot like the conditions under Hosea. And yet, in that doom and gloom, God gives them uh, a good report of some prophecy of Christ being born. So even in the doom and gloom, God always comes out and gives you some hope. And so we see that in the book of Hosea. So Hosea chapter 7 It says in Hosea chapter 12 and verse 10 on your handout, I'm just going to read it for a minute. God says, I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Now we haven't got here yet, but we will in a few weeks. But what is a similitude? You're asking good questions like Brian says. Similitudes are defined as a likeness of nature. Something similar. So God uses similitudes to reveal truth. So the next next uh, paragraph on your handout says, Life is like a box of chocolates. Now, who said that? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Okay. Now, we probably all... Who knew that? Who knew that? I want to see your hands. Who knew that in here? Okay. You guys did not know that? What? Life is like a box of chump... Uh, chocolates is from the movie Forrest Gump. Okay. And uh, okay, so he goes, Life, his mom said, Life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. So he's comparing life to a box of, of, of chocolates with different kind of chocolates in it. Um, so God, so far in the book of Hosea, has used Hosea's life with a prostitute to compare his relationship with the adulterous nation of Israel. So again, God is using examples. He's using uh, 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 similitudes. He's using he's using everything he can to get across to the nation of Israel. This is what you guys are doing. This is what you're doing to me. This is what you're doing to yourself. And so he's using every means he can to get that across. And again, that's why he sent his prophet, because the the priest wasn't getting it across. The Levites wasn't getting it across. You know, the ABF hour pastors wasn't getting it across. I mean, they wasn't getting what they needed to do, so he had to send in special forces. And so he brings in Hosea. To I mean, how would you like to be Hosea just day in, day out? Uh, turn or burn, guys. I mean, man, that's almost how bad it was. And so, uh, so God uses similitudes again to try to reveal the truth to Israel once again, and we're going to see that in chapter seven. So let's go ahead and read Hosea chapter seven. Uh, 
And we're going to think, oh my gosh, what can we pull out of this? And let me tell you, there's a lot in chapter 7 I don't understand. Okay? I saw in the back of a semi-truck one time going down to Carol's, stop, drop, and roll, don't work in hell. <laughs> okay. All right. You're burning. Stop, drop, and roll doesn't work in hell. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Hosea chapter 7 says, When I would have healed Israel, hey, starting out on a good note, right? Then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. Okay, now we just got right back in the sewer. And the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood. And the thief cometh in, and the troop of robbers spoileth without. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. They make the king glad with their wickedness, and the princess with their lies. They are all adulterers, as an oven heated by the baker, who ceaseth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it be leavened. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretcheth out his hand with scorners, for they have made ready their heart like an oven. Whilst they lie in wait, and their baker sleepeth all the night, and in the morning it burneth as a flaming fire. They are all as hot as an oven, and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calleth unto me. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself with the people. Ephraim is a cake not burned. Or, I'm sorry, is a cake not turned. And as a result of it not getting turned, it burns. So, verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here, and they are upon him, yet he knoweth it not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. And they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Now, that's quite a statement right there. All through the minor prophets, God brings situations, he brings judgments upon the nation of Israel, both the northern tribes and the southern tribes. And what does God want? He wants them to come to him because they're in pain. And they don't do it. Because they're hurting and they don't do it. Verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt and they go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. So who's, who's going to bring judgment on them? God does. He keeps saying, because of what they're doing, I will do this to them. And in their, in, 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 in their defense here, they're living their life their life's going down the tubes. They have all these problems and they don't realize that God's the one that's sending the problems. You know, sometimes in our life when we have a lot of problems, it's because we're getting away from God and God's trying to get our attention. So that's what's happening here. Verse 13 says, Woe unto them. Oh, and let me back up. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as the fowls of heaven. I will chastise them as they, as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them, for they have fled from me. Now, again, when, when you see that woe in the Bible, 
need to hold on to your pants because it's not going to be good. Destruction unto them because they have transgressed against me, though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Now let me just give you... It's hard for me to read through this and not stop and give you some comments. When it says, I have redeemed them, I'm just going to throw a little pug out for our Bible. Our Bible says that. Other Bibles do not say that He has redeemed them. He will redeem them. He says here He's already redeemed them. Okay? And verse 14 says, And they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. Though I have bound and strengthened their arms, yet do they imagine mischief against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the rage of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So there is a ton of things here. A ton of things we won't even probably touch on. But I will, again, what what I figured out, I'm, I'm going to try to get across. So, uh, Israel... Verse one says, "When they would have, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered." So all of a sudden, in the middle of all this, God's thinking about um, restoring them and healing them, but it didn't last but just a short while. So how how do I know that? Because we have a Bible, okay? So. And I'll give, I'm going to give you a clue of how I study the Bible a lot. I just compare verses with the verses. So we know that in the book of Hosea it takes place back basically under Second Kings. So let's go back in Second Kings. I think I have it written out there for you in your handout. Second Kings chapter 13. And we'll see if we have any indication of Israel at any point wanting to do what was right. 2 Kings chapter 13. And we're going to read 1 through 6. 2 Kings 13, 1 through 6. Everybody there? It says, In the three and twentieth year of Joash, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel in Samaria. And he reigned seventeen years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. Verse 3, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, into the hand of Ben-Hadon, the son of Hazael, all their days. Verse 4, And Jehoahaz besought the Lord, Wait a minute. And Joahaz besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened in him, for he saw the oppression of Israel, because of the king of Syria oppressed them. Okay, so we're talking about the northern kingdom. We actually have the king. It says in verse 4, he besought the Lord because of the oppression from, from Syria. Verse 5, And the Lord gave Israel a Savior, so that they went out from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before time. So in other words, they were getting oppressed by by, uh, a different nation here of Syria, and even under their bondage, and the Lord brought them out of that and got them back home, or, or, or kept them in their home. 
And so there's a time there because why did he why did the Lord do that? Because the king actually went to the Lord. He repented. He he besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto him, because he saw the oppression. Okay, and the Lord gave Israel a savior, so that they went out from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before time. Verse six. So things are looking up. They're back. They're they're back. It's kind of like God. If you get me out of this jam, I'll just serve. I'll come to church on Sunday. Anybody in here said that? <laughs> if you just get me out of this mess, I'll just serve you. Well, that's what's going on here. And so, but nevertheless, verse 6, they departed not from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who made Israel a sin, but walked there, and there remained the grove. Ooh, remained the grove also in Samaria. So even the Lord got him out of the oppression of the Syrians, and, and, and everything was good again. They got them out of their jam. They just went right back to where they were. That's what happened here with this guy. Uh, he, 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 he went to the Lord. Good thing. But it was quick-lived. Okay? So Israel didn't really return to the Lord here. Okay? It was just, get me out of this, my mess, God. And, and Oh, and by the way, thank you. And they just went right back to their evil waste because they left a grove in Samaria. So you would think that when God gets you out of a jam, that you would start getting rid of... And you see that God... Now, in our life, this is what we got to learn from it. God gets us out of a jam. We go and pray, God, God, if you will just help me out of this jam... And you know, and I'm just I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'll be at ABF on every Sunday morning. I'll, I'll even go and help clean. You know, you say that, okay? And then, and then God pulls you out of it, and then it's like, you know, I don't think I want to show up church Sunday. You know, Chiefs are playing. You know, I'm going. To <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, but you know the drill. I mean, this is not foreign to us. But they are doing it on a national big scale. You would think when God pulls you out of a jam, you'd start fixing those things in your life, which is what we should be doing. But Israel went right back. Just like that dog goes right back to his vomit. It just just went right back there because of the groves that are there. So we saw that back in Hosea, right? Okay, so go back to Hosea chapter 7. It says, when I would have healed Israel, it was right here in this passage that we read, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria because that grove was right there in Samaria and they were worshiping false idols. Okay? For they commit falsehood and their and the thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoileth without. So I've got some bullet points here because there are just so many things here in this in this chapter that that God is just going to lay out for him. He's basically saying, guys, let me show you what you're doing. Okay? So, verse 3 says, they make the king glad with their, what do you think? Taxes? uh, Good deeds? I mean, what do you think goes in there? Their wickedness is what it says, verse 3. They make the king glad with their wickedness. It would be like us saying, you know, we make president glad because he sees our wickedness wow that i mean that you talk about wicked that's wicked okay and then in verse three it's also it says that they make the princes glad with their lies okay verse four says they are all 
adulterers. And then it says, and then what's the next word after adulterers? As an oven heated and left unchecked. Okay? So your blank there is, they are as an oven heated and left unchecked. So there are two very important words in the Bible. Like and as. Okay. When God uses those, we need to pay attention, right? So God is going to use uh, illustrations. He's going to use everything He can to get us to understand truth. So He's going to use... uh, God will teach by association. This is uh, not in your notes, but I'm just going to write it up here. He's going to teach by contrast. And he's going to teach by repetition. Have you heard the phrase, repetition is the cost of learning? So, again, it's like teaching our children. You teach them by association, you teach them by contrast, you teach them by by repetition. That's how God teaches us. So when when we're in the Bible, when it starts saying as and like, pay attention to it, okay? And again, I think I'm talking to the choir, but so just hang with me. But it's good to be hear it again, okay? God teaches by association, by contrast, and repetition. And we're going to see it in the chapter, just like the similitude, Okay? The similitudes, the things that are similar. Okay? And so, he says they are as an oven heated and basically left unchecked. Now, again, I don't quite nail this down because I have to really look at this passage here. It says, uh, again, verse 3 uh, no, verse 4. And they are all... So, so far... Let me back up. He's calling them wicked. He's calling them liars. He's calling them adulterers. And he says, As an oven heated by the baker, who ceaseth from raising after he hath kneaded the dough until it is leavened. Number one thing he's trying to get us to understand is that that you guys... I don't even know how to put this correctly you know you're hot like an oven but you're not being used what you're supposed to be used for you're 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 so into your lies you're so into your wickedness you are so into your adultery that you're 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 burning up you're just you're just like on fire for the opposite things you should be on fire for and so uh, he says, you are as an oven that's heated and basically left unchecked. Okay? So we'll see that a little bit more in, in, in a couple bullet points down. So in verse 5, so hold on to that thought and we'll come back to it. Verse 5 says, in the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. They're drunks. Again, over and over in the Bible. And in Hosea, we saw it. I think we've seen it in every book we've been studying is drinking wine is not not good because it leads to other things, right? 
And so drinking is it, wine is not a good thing in the Bible. They're drunks. And it says, not only that, uh, it says, in the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. So what does that mean, that he made them sick with bottles of wine by giving the king bottles of wine? What? Got him drunk. Got him drunk, and, and as, a, as a result of being drunk, he was sick. How was he sick? How's a drunk sick? Okay, I was going to say, which end is it coming out of? But it's, they're, they're vomiting. I mean, they're puking their guts out, right? Now, I went back. I thought that might be a little rough, rough saying puke his guts out. Because you could say vomit, you could say throw up. But no, I looked up puke, and it's in the dictionary, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> okay. At that point, you've lost control of yourself. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, mentally, too, you know, it changes what you're... So, you're defenseless. And that's one reason why God doesn't want us to drink, because we lose our control, right? And so, but this is the king. The king is drunk. Now, you know, do you want to have a president or a king that's drunk out of his... you know, drunk like a, I don't know, like a, I don't know, what do you, whatever you want to say. I'd say drunk like a skunk. Uh, do you want somebody that's in control to be drunk? You know, Solomon, his mother told him, wine is not for kings. Because you need to have your control. You've got to have your senses about you. You know, it's for the person that's, you know, heavy hearted or about to die or something, but not for somebody that's sober. And so, but here, the king, the princes have made him drunk because they're the ones giving him the wine, and I would imagine they're right there with him. Okay? So he basically says, you guys, you guys, you guys are drunks. Not only are you drunk, you're, you're making a spectacle of yourself because. You, of, of what you're doing, okay? And then the next bullet point says, their hearts are like an oven. That oven pops back up again. And like pops back up. So the first time he says you are as, this time he says you're like. And that's the two words that God uses all through the Bible to try to explain things, right? And so he says, you are like an oven that's out of control. He goes, you guys are like, your, your, your lust for evil is like a fire out of control. Your lust for lying, your lust for, for uh, adultery, your lust, your, your, your lust for wickedness is like an un, or it's like a raging fire, an oven. That's out of control. In fact, let's read that and see what verse was that. Verse 7 says, They are all hot as an oven, and they've devoured their judges. Why? Because of their evil ways. And their kings are fallen. There's none among them that calleth unto me. Now, you know, we talked about how many kings the northern tribe had. And I think they have 17 kings on our chart. No, I got 21. Every one of these was an evil king. Every one of Israel's kings from the northern tribes was evil, according to the Bible. The only place that I saw where one wanted to do what was right was the one I read earlier in 2 Kings. And that was just a get me out of my mess, God, and I'll take care of you. Now, what can we learn from that? 
when we actually do go to God and we actually do pray to God and say, God, here's the mess I'm in. Would you please get me out of this mess? When God does, we better abide by what's right. Because if we go right back to where we're at, what do you think God's going to think? And I know we're the sons of God and we can't lose our salvation and we can't lose that. But how do you think God's going to feel when we treat Him like that? And so we see that all through with the kings here of Israel. They're, they're all like an oven. They're out of control. Verse 8 says, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Now Ephraim... So today, you know, that's not a big deal. That's something I've kind of wrestled with, and I've talked to Carrie about that. You know, different nationalities mixing and different races mixing, and and how does that work? And for the New Testament era, I can't really find anything wrong with it. The Old Testament was not so. God basically told the Jews, I want you to stay with the Jewish nation. I don't want you to intermingle outside of the Jewish nation. But why did he do that? Knew what they were going to do, just like here, they were going to get away from him. Right. So, it, so they were going to. They, if they married and intermingled with other nationalities, then they would, you know, take their daughters and then before or sons, and before long, they're worshiping <laughs> false idols. So it's exactly what happened here. Okay, and so. He says their hearts are like an oven; they're out of control. And again, he says their hearts are like an oven. And again, we know it it starts our relationship with God. We need to follow God with our whole heart. It's a heart relationship, right? And so in verse 8, it says, Ephraim is mixed with, has mixed himself with people. I don't know if I've given you that, but that's what I was talking about. Other nationalities that are not Jewish that would cause the nation to serve other gods. And then Ephraim... And verse 8 says, let me back up. No, I'm still where I need to be. Ephraim is, goes in your blank, is a cake not turned. I have to think about that. Ephraim is a cake not turned. So we don't normally... Being on the fence, neither hot nor cold. Oh. Like a cake done. Okay, so I mean, when when we cook in the oven, in our ovens, our ovens are pretty good. You don't have to turn it. Usually, I just stick it in there and I make a cake. Don't you guys? When, when you make a cake. <laughs> If it's working properly, no, I don't turn a cake when I put it in the oven. You know, I make cakes all the time, right, Carrie? She's like, "What? You know where the oven is?" <laughs> okay, but I mean, normally you put the cake in the middle rack or whatever, and you don't turn it. But if you if you're heating off of a wood stove or maybe a fire, you got to turn that cake to make sure it doesn't make sure it gets done properly. Right? He says, you're like, you're like a cake half-baked, basically, is what he says. Now, do you like it when people says, oh, you know, you know Bob, Bob Hall? He goes, he's half-baked. Uh, is that a good thing? <laughs> okay. That's basically what God's saying here. He goes, Israel, you're just like, you're half-baked, guys. 
You're half-baked. You're, he's trying to use a similitude. Uh, he's trying to use something by association saying, you're like a half-baked cake, man. You're, you're, you're just half there. He says, Ephraim is a cake not turned, or we would say a cake that's not baked, or basically a raw cake on one side and a burnt cake on the other. Wow. Uh, And that's not good at all, is it? Have you ever had things come out that way? That was just crispy on one side and and raw on the other? You mentioned this yesterday. Yeah. Sister-in-law, making a cake and things runny when you cut into it. How many of you like a runny cake? <laughs> no, I mean that that that's about as rough as you can get, right? Yes, you didn't have a toothpick. You stick it in and see if it's done or not. Yeah, well, it worked on one edge, but no, you got when you yeah. when you when you guys do do a cake, do you use a toothpick and kind of check it around, or you just yeah. do once? Okay, so let me ask you this, guys. When you do bake a cake, have you ever baked a cake that you didn't get it done? Have you? Not you ladies. You've got it down. You probably have never done that. You know, My wife will tell you about the time I, I, make, I like to make bread. or Every once in a while I get this wild hair that I'm going to bake bread or rolls or cinnamon rolls or something so and and most of the time it comes out pretty good but i had this recipe for never fail dinner rolls i beg to differ because they can fail the first time i tried them it's like they flopped they just flopped like i didn't do something quite right but i mean there's really nothing wrong worse than a half-baked something and that's what god's telling them he goes guys he goes he goes, you're, half, you're a cake not turned, basically is what he's saying here, okay? And then verse 10, again, he just goes down a list. Verse 10, he says, And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. So why aren't they returning to God? Because of their pride. Mm-hmm. They're prideful. You know, there are some people that you work with or you talk to and and they know what to do, but their pride won't let them do it. Wow. How, how, how do you try to get across to somebody that, you know, maybe it's somebody that, that, that left church and... Because, you know, they were offended and, and it's like, hey, man, let's come back and work this thing out. And they're like, no, won't go there. I mean, there should not be anything that you can't sit down with somebody and work out. But some, but, but some people are to a point where, no, I won't do that. And what's keeping them? Basically, their pride. So, I mean, this is basically pretty, you know, it hit, hits home with us if we're not careful. And in verse 9, he says, uh, Strangers have devoured his strength. He's talking about Israel. And he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. Now, I'm looking in here. Not everybody in here has gray hair. But, you know, when you start getting gray hair, you're, you're not a spring chicken anymore, are you? But, you know, that's life is, jump, has a way of just going by real fast, doesn't it? 
I mean, here, you know, you're thinking you're, you're 20 one day and the next day you wake up and you're 60. <laughs> okay. I'm picking on Roger because I'm what? Am I, you're watching me? I'm picking on Roger back here because you have a birthday when? The 17th. Okay. So, yeah, he's going to be, and he'll be the same, he'll be the same age as me for about a month. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, you know, it's like we're watching a grumpy old man movie the other day, and, they, and you guys watch that movie? Now, there's some parts I really like about that movie. There's other parts I wish they'd live out, leave out. But the old man on there, one of them, he goes, he goes, I'm 95 years old. And he goes, one day, son, you got to realize, I, I realized I'm not 82 anymore. <laughs> he goes, life goes by fast. And that's what God's saying here. He said, guys, life is passing you up. You've got gray hair and you don't realize it, but your time is almost up, guys. He's telling them that. Their time is growing short and they don't even realize it. He goes, your time to do what's right is about gone. Number one, in your in your physical life, but as a, as a life as a nation, because again, within 30 years of Hosea, they are carried away into a different country, into captivity. So it, it goes both ways. And then verse 10, it says, the, their pride keeps them from going to the Lord. And I think I've already mentioned that. So, And then we switch gears again. Verse 11, it says, Ephraim also is like a silly dove. Okay, and then it says a silly dove, but not just that. What else does it add in there? Without heart. So you keep seeing a heart come in there. Now, how many of you like doves, like turtle doves? What you know? What's a turtle dove like? He goes, "You're like a silly dove." I don't think he was talking about the candy bar. I mean, the candy chocolate here. He's talking about a bird. Okay, so he goes, "You guys are like a silly dove." Without heart, you know, heart uh, doves. If you've ever seen them, they just they go here, they go there. They're they're just they, they're like they can't make up their mind where they're going, and that's what he's trying to tell them. He goes, he goes, you can't, you don't have any direct direction that you're going. They really look out for danger. They don't realize that maybe a cat's right there to get them. That could be. They're not aware of, you know, they just. Just like jump here, there, yeah. Why and did he use a dove? Because I mean, the dove's also the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Hadn't got that far yet. So, because uh, I mean, all birds, yeah, to and fro. That's right. But, but yes. But if you notice doves, I've noticed them. And, and if you ever hunt doves, no. I hunted them one time, and uh, man, they just they're they're just flying all over the place and. I shot a few of them, and then when I skinned them, I'm like, it's like eating a robin. I don't think I'm going to do this. I'm like, what? It's, it's like they're red, their, their skin is like red. They look like a robin, I think. Of course, I've never skinned a robin, but, I mean, that's what I thought it would look like. I'm like, it's like, a, I mean, a quail, pheasant, okay. Turtle dove, I just didn't get it. But but they dart all over the place. But why? Is it, but I hadn't thought about that, because that is a picture of the Holy Spirit, too. So I'm sure there's there's a tie in there somewhere, but he's yeah. Okay, so it says they're like they're like again they are like a silly dove without heart, 
without heart. Again, I think no direction. I think that it's what he's trying to say. Okay? They dart here, they dart there. Uh, you know, they're kind of like that old Italian tire joke. You know, you know how you can tell if you have an Italian tire? Yeah, they go they go this way, they go that way, they go wop wop wop. Now that's kind of a bad joke, but <laughs> okay. That's a dago tire. Okay, it's you know we don't do those. I mean anymore. Everybody gets offended, and I'll probably have some people on here go, Bob, I can't, I can't believe you. That's a dago tire. They go this way. They go. Oh yes. Okay. They go this way. They go that way. Okay. Okay. I messed it up. You got it right. Okay. Okay. I couldn't even remember that. I used to remember all these jokes, and they go, "Oh, well, Bob, that you're very insensitive against against Italians. You hate you hate Italians." I think my dad told me that. Yeah. And I'm like, well. How many Polak jokes have you ever told in your life? I used to tell them all the time. I used to go to church and get them from a Polish guy at church. (laughs) Carrie will tell you. There was a deacon in our church and he was Polish and he told me all kinds of Polak jokes. But people get offended. Oh, that's offensive. But you don't tell them anymore? I mean, I haven't heard a Polak. I know. It's kind of like, have you ever heard a short joke? Have you ever heard a bald joke? Yeah, I mean, we hear them all the time. I'm, come on, guys, lighten up a little bit, you know? But <laughs> Short people got no reason to live. No, I wasn't going to bring that up. So, Roger, just how tall are you? Taller than me. Okay, that's what you need to know. Uh, yeah, I mean, people are just... But anyway, they're like a silly... They dart this way and they dart that way. Okay, so God goes about to judge Israel. And i got to wrap things up. So in the last of these bullet points, I'll go through it pretty quick. The first one says, I will spread my net upon them. So God is putting judgment on them. I will bring them down. And let's read that. It says, when they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. I will bring them down as, here's another as, the fowls of heaven. Ooh, I was reading that, and I'm like, now what does that mean? When you spread that right now, it made me think of what it says in other parts of the Bible, where all the fowls are going to come down and eat all the dead people, and you know. Yeah, but fowls in heaven can also be evil spirits. So uh, there's some prophecy going on here. What, what did I say? Yeah, just now. It said they can be evil spirits, fowls. Oh. It says fowls of heaven. They could be both. But but why would he say this? He goes, I will bring them down like like a robin. I mean, it doesn't make sense when it's just physical birds. There there's some there's some deeper meaning behind this here. Okay, so my my getting it. He goes, I will bring them down as as what the fowls of heaven. So you're thinking, oh, so, so when is God going to bring down the birds from heaven? And I, I understand your point um, about the fowls coming down at Armageddon and eating and all that. I, I do get that. Now, it may be a reference to that, but I actually think it's probably more of a reference to the, the evil spirits that God's going to bring down at some point. 
And right now, even Satan's in the second heaven, and God will kick him out of there at one point. So I think there's probably some prophecy going on there. So right in the middle of all this, God's always going to throw some prophecy out that you just got to be looking for, okay? So he goes, I will bring them down as the fowls of heaven. I will chastise them. And then he says in verse 13, woe unto them. And again, when you when God says woe, you, you need to hold on to your seat because it's coming. Okay? Because there is also, what's behind the them there? Woe is them. There's an asterisk there. Mm-hmm. How many places in the Bible do you see? Not an asterisk, a exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. I caught myself on that one. Not too often, do you? No. In fact, I, I don't remember very often do you see that. So we, we have one. For they have fled from me. So notice the woe, notice the the exclamation sign, and he goes, I will bring destruction unto them. Another one. Okay. Another exclamation point after them. Yes, so there's two there. That's like, that's like really emphasized. Yes, you got a woe, you got two exclamation marks coming up here. Yes. Because they have transgressed against me. Mm-hmm. So we see that right there in verse 13, right? They have, now do not miss this. This is, this is God saying why he's going to uh, judge these people. Because they have transgressed against him. Okay, What does transgressed mean? It means to pass over. It means to step over. It means to deal treacherously with. It means to rebel against. And specifically it means to do lawlessness. Okay, So turn over in your Bible to 1 John 3, 4. And again, I've got to hurry because I'm just about out of time. 1 John 3, 4. And so Pastor Brian just went through this not very long ago. 1 John 3, 4 says... No? Yes. I'm in the wrong passage. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law so it's it's to to disobey it's to rebel it's to deal treacherously with so he goes uh, god is just telling them i'm going to bring destruction upon them because they have disobeyed they have treated me wrongly. They have, they for everything I've done for them, they have, they've basically just passed over me. And then the next statement says, "Though I have redeemed them." What does "redeemed" mean? Um, no, it's it's on that order, but it doesn't necessarily mean forgive, because we've been redeemed. When God redeemed them, He just didn't say you're forgiven. He paid the price. So redeemed is basically uh, to make to make free by basically. If I wanted to be technical, I'd say to make free by sacrifice. Okay, uh, John eight thirty two. You know the the, the passage that um, that says that God has made us free. Okay, so let's keep moving. It says, They have not cried unto me with their heart. Second time hearts mentioned. The problem is the people were doing the motions. They would go they would you know, they would go to uh, act like they're serving God and doing sacrifices, but their heart wasn't in it. 
that's the same thing we have to worry about. You know, we can go to church all day long. So like I, the man I talked to you about, well, you know, a lot of people go to that church because, you know, there's 5,000 people going to that church. Just going to church isn't going to fix it, guys. You might get a pen for going to church. I don't, I don't even think we give out pens here, do we? Rex, can you give them? If somebody comes in and says, I've been, I've been to church, I haven't missed a day in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, other churches give you pins, they do this, but really that doesn't make any difference. God is wanting your heart. He doesn't want you just to go through the motions. And that's what these people are doing. He goes, they've not cried into me with their heart. They've, even though they've moaned, they've complained, but they didn't go to God. It's kind of like kind of like us when we complain about our aches and pains. We kind of complain about our back being out. Kind of complain about all this, but we never go to the doctor. I'm guilty, man. I do that all the time. But that's how people are with God. Complain about stuff, but they never go and say, Hey, Lord, you know, I want to, I'm going to get right here. Okay? And then it says, They are like a deceitful bow. So over and over in this chapter, he keeps telling them, you're like this, you're like that, you're like a half-baked cake, you're, you're like, a, you're like a, a silly dove, you are like a deceitful bow. So if you are an archer and you got a bow and you're going to shoot at a target or shoot at a deer or shoot at something and you line it up and you're perfect on it and you let it go and it hits, you know, hits somebody's car on the other side of the parking lot, I mean, what would you do with the bow? You'd pitch it, wouldn't you? Same thing with with, and these are God's people, and He doesn't want to pitch them, but at some point He's going to put them away. And it says, "The princes shall fall by the sword." And it says, "And this shall be their derision in the land of Egypt." Now, let me just throw out to you in this passage here in Hosea: the northern tribes get carried away to Assyria. They don't get carried away to Egypt. So what in the world do we have here? A mistake in the Bible? No. There's a reason why he put Egypt. I'm not 100% sure why. So you might think about that or go back and study that out a little bit. Uh, That may have a prophetic application too to the millennium. So we're going to wrap up there. So again, Hosea uses similitudes to try to teach the people, and I don't think they're listening. It's just, it's just, it's like talking to a rock. It is not working with the nation of Israel. So what can we learn from that? When God works in our life, we need to listen, and we need to obey, and we need to come to Him, and we need to realize He He wants a relationship with us. More than anything we do. That's what He wants. He has redeemed us just like He redeemed Israel. And He wants that relationship. He wants our heart. So let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Bible that we have that shows us all things, Lord. And I I pray that we could just take the good and the bad. And and, and Lord, help us to learn from the mistakes of the nation of Israel and from the people in the northern tribes. Lord, help us not to be like them. Help help us not to... uh, uh, act like they do and Lord help us to realize that when we do start to act like them that we need to come back and repent and ask you for forgiveness and uh, we know that you will uh, forgive us and bring us back into uh, restoration so we pray for that pray for our church pray for the people around us and Lord I pray for everyone in here today that you give us opportunities to witness this week help us to realize those witness, those opportunities and give us the words to say and in Christ's name we pray Amen
All right. So Egypt is a type of the world. So if you're going to be a worldly Christian, 